Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast of brilliance, talking about War and Peace book 2, chapter 15. I am oh, I'm very close to finishing book 2 on um, the Aussie translation. And when I do that, I'll be publishing it as an e-book and a paperback book shortly after that. And moving straight on to book 3. I'm not as ahead as I would like to be. Uh, the chapters, the last few chapters have been very long. And I've found them very difficult to get through, but that's all right. I'll keep struggling, keep pushing. I, um, oh yeah, do you know what's cool today? This is just a little personal update. Every now and then I do a personal update. I, um, sold a new program that was developed during lockdown, uh, with my, my school program. So I I run a small business called Launchpad, which is a creative writing program that schools can purchase and, um, yeah, they can, I don't know, learn a bit about creative writing. Um, and I just created a new one, which is called Life Hacks from Expert Writers. And it's a one-hour stage show cram-packed with um, life hacks for writers. Easy little tidbits of information that uh, young people, students, you know, primary school and secondary school students uh, can easily uh, include into their writing practices and improve their writing and it's also meant to be quite a funny, entertaining one hour so that they can just... It's almost like watching a comedy show, but during the course of it, you become a better writer. Um, so I sold that today for the first time. It's a brand new program, and I was really excited that a school contacted me wanting to do it. Um, so that's cool. Very, very happy about that. Um, the only problem is that I haven't really finished writing it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've got all the life hacks. Uh, I just... I want it to be more entertaining. I want the one hour to almost be like a stage play, you know, a presentation, more than just like a seminar or a workshop. I want it to be like an entertaining thing to watch. So I'm working on that. I'm having a brainstorm sesh with a couple of my writer buddies and we're going to we're going to do a bit of a writer's room around this and see how good we can get it. Anyway, that's what I'm up to. If you want to see what a launchpad is, if you're curious, you can google it um, launchpad writers club. Or the website is launchpad.vic.edu.au. Launchpad.vic.edu.au. If you're curious, hey, and if you um, if you're in Australia and you want you know your your child's school to do Launchpad, do forward the details on to your school headmaster, principal. Actually, all around the world, it's available. By the way, it's a program that's available all around the world, and I say that now because COVID. During COVID, I had to run a few programs remotely via Zoom, and they were actually really successful. So it is something that now I've kind of realized silver linings from the last year, you know, is that now I can run my program all around the world. So that's kind of cool. Um, All right, let's talk about what we're here to talk about. Uh, The poignant line, they talked of peace but did not believe in its possibility. They talked of battle but also did not believe in the nearness of battle is evident even in Bagration. Do you think the soldier's apparent denial of the situation is an inevitable response to the nearness of battle? As Andre moves closer to the front line, the soldiers become more orderly yet also close enough to trade jokes and insults with the enemy. With such impassioned back and forth, how long do you think it will be before fighting breaks out on the front lines. And something that seems to be missing from the chapter is Andre's reaction slash thoughts about excuse me, about the state 
of the soldiers he witnesses. How do you think he feels about the disorder around him? Oh, I've got the hiccups a little bit there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Little Sebastian says, I don't think Andre is very comfortable with the disorder. Based on how he was raised, and he seems to always desire control, I struggled at the beginning of book two, but I'm glad I pushed through. The suspense of the last two chapters has me hooked now, so I'm nervous for what's about to come with the battle. Yeah, well, I'm glad you say that, little Sebastian, and I can tell you this, it only gets more exciting from here. I can't remember what happens in today's chapter, 16, but I know that in the... I think we're going to see some action, and at least in the next few chapters, it gets pretty exciting, and there's some really great moments coming up. Brian E. Denton said, They talked of peace, but did not believe in its possibility. It's one of my favorite sentences in the whole novel. Whenever I read this chapter, I wrote, I wonder, sorry, what a veteran who has seen combat thinks of it. Are the moments leading up to battle like this? Is it true that the closer you get to the front, the more orderly things become? Uran Kovofifi says, I think the soldiers' moods aren't beyond the pale. Many might be in denial about their odds, or maybe they know what might be happening, so they turn to things like drinking to keep their minds from it. I would imagine that after being as worn out, hungry and exhausted as many of them must be, they might be savouring the chance to rest, even if it means they face next to certain annihilation when the battle begins. It seems the mockery between the French and Russian troops might just be banter, at least at this point. If there's more drinking involved, then maybe one of them tries something more bold that ignites fighting. Andre seems to be to want to be a hero, so the disorder amongst the Russians might serve as an opportunity to whip them into shape under his direction, or perhaps it might make Andre less optimistic about his chances of leading them successfully since they appear unorganized. From his reveling of the previous battle, I can't help but think Andre might be excited by the challenge that lays ahead. Four Lost Souls in a Bowl says, I'm really excited, uh, expecting Andre to take charge and try to whip these men into shape, or at least into having some respect for the battle that's to come. Nimex underscore says, The banter between the French and the Russian soldiers was very interesting. They're laughing at slash with their opponents, talking with them and looking at them as zoo as at zoo animals but they know that within the next few days they'll have to try to kill each other on the battlefield yeah i love that moment of this book it's really interesting and i think it, the most interesting thing is that there's the french and the russians you know they they share a lot they've got a lot in common and they don't hate each other and the russians especially don't hate the french and you can see that here they've got a lot of respect for each other and you don't see that often with two armies going head to head they're you know they're enemies but at the same time on a personal level or on a sort of uh, cultural level they're not exact they're not they don't hate each other usually when you have armies fighting i think we're just so used to propaganda being a, a tool of the army that by the time the armies face off they're thinking of each other as like vermin that needs to be wiped off they're disgusted by the sight of each other and, um, yeah, so it's interesting to see a, a real lack of that. All right, I'm going to read the next chapter now, if I can scroll to it in time to do that. Um, what am I up to? 15, is it? No, 16. Oh, man, we're flying through this book. I can't believe we've nearly finished book two. Um, 16. A short chapter, very short chapter. Um, by the way, before I start... 
I will give you another reminder. This podcast is made possible by the people who support it via Patreon. If you uh, enjoy the podcast and if you feel like you get some value out of it, you can uh, support it just whatever whatever amount you feel matches that value that you get out of it um, over at patreon.com slash the Hemingway list. Uh, it's super helpful and I uh, very much appreciate it to those who uh, support the podcast in that way. All right, chapter 16 goes like this. Once he'd ridden round the whole line from left to right flank, Prince Andre made his way up to the battery, which the staff officer said you could see the whole field from. Once there, he hopped off his horse beside the farthest of the four unlimbered cannons. An artillery sentry was pacing up and down in front of the cannons. He stood to attention when Prince Andre arrived, but with a gesture from the officer, resumed his monotonous pacing. Behind the guns were the limbers, wheelbases for transporting cannons, and still further back, picket ropes and artillerymen's bonfires. Uh, to the left, not far from the furthest cannon, was a small, freshly constructed wattle shed, and from inside came the sound of officers in keen conversation. It was true, you really could see just about everything up here. The whole Russian position, and most of the enemies opened out from the battery. I'm going to change that to up there. Uh, it was true, you really could see just about everything up there. The whole Russian position, and most of the enemies opened out from the battery. Directly facing it on the crest of the opposite hill, the village of Schongraburn was visible, and in three groups either side of it, there were French troops amid the smoke of their campfires, with most of the troops evidently in the village itself or behind the hill. To the left of that village, clouded in smoke, was something that might have been an enemy battery, though it wasn't possible to see it clearly with the naked eye, our right flank was posted on an actually pretty bloody steep incline which dominated the French positions. Our infantry were stationed there and at the very far end you could see the dragoons. The centre where Tuchin's battery was and from where Prince André was currently taking a guise at the whole affair was the quickest and easiest place to go up and down to the creek that separated us from Schongraburn. On the left our troops were, were nearby... Sorry, on the left, our troops were nearby a copse of trees, within which there was smoke from bonfires and infantry felling wood. The French line was wider than ours, and it was clear to see that they could easily outflank us on both sides. Behind our position, the earth dipped steeply away, which would make it difficult for our lot to retreat. Prince André took out his notebook, leaned on a cannon, and sketched a plan for himself of the positions of the troops. He scribbled in two notes on the sketch with the intention of showing them to Bagration. The first note was that they should concentrate all the artillery in the centre and the second they should withdraw the cavalry to the other side of the dip. Prince André had a mind for this sort of thing because he'd spent so much time with the commander-in-chief, had taken an interest in how they moved masses of troops with sweeping general orders from the top and had studied at length accounts of historical battles, and so he couldn't help now but to play it all out in his head. What he expected might happen in the upcoming battle. He imagined what might happen in general terms, just the important bits. If the French attack our right flank, he said to himself, the Kiev grenadiers and the Polosk chasseurs 
need to stand their ground where they are until reserves from the centre come up. In that case, the Dragoons would probably be able to attack the flank and fuck shit up there. If they attack our centre, we can cover the left flank from these cannons here, having the high ground, while it retreats down the back dip by tears. And so on he reasoned. All the time he was lost in his thoughts, leaning on the cannon, he was hearing, but not listening to, or understanding a word of, the voices of the officers in the shed. Suddenly, though, one pleasant voice stuck out and grabbed his attention above the others. It sounded so sincere he couldn't help but listen. Nah, mate, said the pleasant and Prince Andre suspected familiar voice. What I'm saying is that if we could really know what happened after we died, no one would be afraid to die, that's all, mate. Another voice, younger sounding, interrupted him. Afraid or not, no one can escape death anyway. Whatever, either way, I'm shitting myself. Oh, you lot have it made in the shade, said a third manly voice, interrupting them both. Of course you artillery men are a clever lot, because you, you can take everything along with you into battle. Vodka and snacks. And the guy with the manly voice, an infantry officer, laughed. Yeah, I'm scared too, continued the first speaker, the one with the familiar voice. I'm scared of the unknown, that's what it is. Like, we say all this shit about our souls going to the sky, but we know there is no sky, just an atmosphere. The manly voice interrupted him again. Well then, you might as well give us some of that herb, herb vodka of yours, Tushin. It said. Hang about, thought Prince Andre. Tushin, that's the bootless captain from the Sutler's hut. He was pleased to recognise the agreeable philosophizing voice. My herb vodka? Well, yeah, why not, said Tushin. But still, to think about a future life. He did not finish. Instead, there was a long, faint whistle in the air, which drew nearer and nearer, became louder and faster, faster and louder, a cannonball. And then, as if to punctuate all it had to say, it walloped the ground with impossible power near the shed, throwing up a wave of dirt. The earth itself seemed to groan in pain from the terrible impact. Immediately, Tushin, with a short pipe hanging from the corner of his gob and his kind, intelligent face all pale, rushed out of the shed, fully booted, followed by the manly voice guy, a pretty sexy, sexy infantry officer who hurried out to his company, buttoning up his coat as he ran. Alrighty, there we go. I feel like that was like the starting cannon, you know, the starting shot. Um, we're off and racing. Um, I love that moment when they're philosophizing about life and death and what happens after you die. And then they're interrupted by a whistle growing louder and louder and whoop, walloping the ground. Beautiful moment of the book, that one. All right, have your say over at the subreddit. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you tomorrow.